Hey guys, it's Cass and Dorian, and you're listening to United. Okay, Doris. So we were discussing about while you were editing the cultural appropriation episode, the second one, which I feel like we've we've talked about cultural appropriation enough at this point, like <laughs> kind of beating a dead horse. But um, I want to talk about like the intensity we experienced in that episode when we were listening to it back because you were very passionate about what you were feeling. And I was really passionate too, but I feel like my passion didn't come across the same way as yours. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I cringed when I first was <laughs> starting to edit it. So I was like, you've got you've got to listen to this. I don't know. I don't know. Cause it was because I'm I am very passionate. I'm a very intense in it and I'm working through it. So one of my one of my concerns for it was a lot of the things we've recorded, we have had conversation to some degree about a lot of the things before. Yeah. Especially the things that are not just a learning educational topic, but things where there's a decent amount of back and forth. We've had some basis of conversation before. For example, the third episode Mm -hmm. about inherent racism. Yeah. We had had a two-hour conversation the night before. Yeah. Which was at a totally different level of intensity. Yeah, it was. Than the one we recorded. So I was a little concerned because our audience hadn't yet been exposed to that level of conversation. Mm -hmm. And it made me uncomfortable listening to it. So I thought there was a chance it was going to make some of our listeners also feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But you kind of brought up the point, this is good. Because the whole point we're doing this is to show these conversations can happen. And it's good for people to see that passions do get heightened. Yeah. And like passions get heightened across the board, but we still were respectful. We still didn't, uh, you know, hit come the blows. We didn't <laughs> curse each other out. Like, and we still liked each other at the end of the day. <laughs> so that makes a world of difference because these kinds of conversations could totally end friendships mm-hmm. and have ended mm-hmm. friendships. So it's like just being able to, I feel like because people have experienced these conversations ending friendships, they walk on eggshells around them and around the conversations. Yeah. Uh, and so to be able to see that we can, we can have these conversations, we can get intense, we can all of that and still come back together at the end of the day, still have a difference of opinion on it because mm-hmm. you're still not quite sold on cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. but move on. Yeah. You know? And also that it's not, always going to be super calm in the conversation if it gets to a certain point like I think if one of us got really there was something that really upset either of us I think we would both walk away from the conversation for the time say like we need to pause yeah. we need to pause this but but they do get intense and passionate and that's sometimes a part of it so yeah. I, sometimes I think our conversations on here don't show that whole picture so I That episode was good in that sense. Yeah, it was good in that sense. But it also brought us to another topic because you were definitely 
more intense than I was. Definitely. But I think that our level of passion on it were the same. Which I was surprised to hear when you said that initially. I was yeah. like, really? You think you, you were as passionate as I was? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, no, no, like, you're not understanding me. And these, you need to understand me on why this isn't this, you know, but I wasn't getting as like intense about it. And I think that the reason why that is, is because of code switching Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe not code switching specifically, but I've had to stay calm in situations of heightened emotion. I've had to learn to do that throughout my life. Can I clarify yeah. Is it something you've had to learn to do just throughout your life in general or primarily when you're interacting with white people? Primarily when I'm interacting with yeah. white so people. I was, I was wondering after, before we connected, I was wondering if that was, if this was going to boil down to some cultural differences. Yeah. Because I've, I mean, I, there are definite times when I will fly off the handle and, uh, one thing that my guy says to me all the time, my significant other is, you don't you don't talk to people the same way you talk to me. And I'm like, well, for one, you're my guy. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to talk to people the same way. But he, there's a level of intensity that I have when I talk to him that I don't have with other people and my friends. But there's also a level of intensity that I have when I talk to my black friends that I don't have when I talk to my white friends. And honestly, I didn't realize that I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I'd like to be able to feel like I can be myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I do feel like I can be myself to an extent, but I, I also feel like the way that I talk to my friends who are black, you wouldn't necessarily understand it. Yeah, or maybe jive with it more. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you might you be taken by... aback by it. Yeah. If I was to walk up to you and be like, yo, bitch, what's up? <laughs> you might be like, oh, okay. Because. Part of the struggle there is the ability to respond back. Right. So if I was to respond back in some way, mm-hmm. like at that level with that kind of w- way of speaking, Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make sense. I'd be like culturally appropriating at that time. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense. It's I like that energy. energy. I like it. I want to be a part of it, but it's 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 not really innate in me. Yeah. And I mean, you would have to figure out how to be a part of it without it seeming like you're mocking. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Um, but like I have totally different like, I could make fun of your cooking if I wanted to, and I do sometimes <laughs> when you're not cooking. But, like, my best friend was over this morning and made French toast, and it was all jokes. So I was like, what are you doing there? It's a little bit harsher tone mm-hmm. when I'm at home in my element. It's like, I don't even know that I'm doing it to be able to turn it on and off. It's not a conscious thing. But then you unconsciously turn it off. When you're when around I'm, white people. Yeah. 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 Or probably also in like professional environments, possibly even if, Absolutely even in if it was not environments. Even if it was a, you were surrounded with black people in a professional environment, you probably would to a degree. Yeah. To an extent. If they were as well, probably. Yeah. 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 To an extent. Do you think in general, like have you from your perception seen that black people 
need to hold their passions together a little bit more tightly around white people than white people have to around passions, black people. emotions, our whole demeanor, I feel like. Our whole being has to be switched off, it feels like. So, for example, and I before I get into an example, I just want to talk about what code switching actually is. Code switching is defined as the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation. So code switching is specific to a language. And the way it's described here is not my understanding of code switching because it says alternating between, which makes it seem like it's like switching back and forth. Which is what you do. Well, At home one way, here the other way. It's switching back I and mean, forth. I mean, like switch, it sounds like it's saying switching back and forth in conversation. Like For me, it's more than just language, though. It's body language and my demeanor when I'm speaking to someone, my facial expressions, hands, gestures, my tone, all of that. Like I have to be aware of all of that. I think you were saying before that that's also where you have seen, you've kind of seen it discussed that way a little bit, that it's not just the language. Yeah. Is that in the black yes, community? Yes, like I've seen videos of about code switching and it'll be like a guy walking down the road, not the road, the hall at the office and he sees another black guy. He's like, oh, my man, what's up? What's good? And daps him up. And then a white guy passes and he's like, oh, how are you doing, sir? And like mm-hmm. gives him a handshake. Mm-hmm. So it's manner, it's mannerisms, mannerisms it's all of it. It's not just it. language. Yeah. Is how so even though that's not in the definition, that actually may end up getting updated in the definition or a new word form. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Because it's because it's more than it just it ends up involving more of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which makes sense too, even in language, you know, a lot of times you're gonna change demeanors you're going to change the type of jokes you say or don't say you're going to change more than just the 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 words and point you would normally say or make mm-hmm. when you're changing language because it's you are switching culturally when you're switching from one language to another yeah and it says we pick up linguistic norms and learn to code switch according to context so yeah basically what you said but it feels like as an african american we have to code switch mm-hmm. because if we don't, then we're seen as ghetto, illiterate, uh, uneducated, mm-hmm. like all of these negative viewpoints because we're not speaking proper English or carrying ourselves in a way that's deemed as acceptable by mainstream America. Right. So a good example of that is Cardi B. Okay. She's very much, she doesn't code switch. She's very much herself at all times, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Like she do a, she did a interview with Bernie Sanders on her live and she's still, "Ah, what's up? (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to me. Talk to me, Bernie. Talk to me. Like she's still being her 100% self. Mm -hmm. And because of that, even people in the black community are like, she's so illiterate. I'm not paying attention to nothing that she says, but she's actually pretty smart. 
Yeah, when you said that, you you said that to me fairly recently that she was a pretty intelligent person, like, and I was surprised. Yeah, because I don't perceive her that way because I can't understand anything she says. Well, if you can get past all of that and actually understand what she's saying, and hear some of the things that yeah. she's saying, she's saying stuff that makes sense. Mm. It's just hard for people to hear it and understand it because of how she's delivering it mm-hmm. but that's like is that a her problem or a us problem right right and and it's pushed off onto her as a her problem yep, yep. and that's not fair because she wouldn't be genuinely herself right and we're it's it fits into that whole concept of everyone's unique be your unique self you're meant to be your unique self and that's why we're so unhappy in this world you've got to stop conforming and be your unique self but the moment people are their unique self that part we shut them down absolutely yeah we shut them down we talk mess about them because they don't conform yes or we just we just don't take them seriously and so that's why i think code switching has become seen as a negative thing Hmm. It has a bad reputation because an article I read said something about it. People feel like they're losing their identities or accommodating to prejudices to not be seen as those prejudices and those stereotypes. And I absolutely agree. Sorry, say that again. People feel like they're losing their identities. When they're conforming. When they're conforming. Gotcha. Yep. Um, And they're also basically accommodating the prejudices towards their social class. Hmm. So it helps those prejudices to continue to be perpetuated and seen Mm -hmm. because we're switching things up and conforming. So for example, we tell our boys not to wear a hoodie because it makes them look like a thug Mm -hmm. when in actuality they should be able to wear a hoodie. You should stop thinking they look like a thug. Yes. Not you specifically. Yes. You in general. Something that that really stuck out to me while, you know, you were saying that and it just kind of when you think on the fact that this is this one accepted way of being and you're having to code switch, you know, people in the black community are having to code switch to be accepted into this into the white community Mm -hmm. because everything is white dominant and run white dominant in, in the U.S. And there's people from other cultures as well in the U.S. that need to switch. But, you know, it's it's. You could also say it for indigenous people in America. They were here before us. Black Americans were here almost just as long as us. Mm-hmm. And they were here at the founding of the country. Mm-hmm. And they were a big um, built part the country. of... <laughs> yes. Not a big part of. But... Built. <laughs> built. Built the country. I mean, culturally. I understand. They've really been a big foundation in the culture of this of the country as well. (laughs) Because a lot of the culture was taken off the backs of black people. Like rock and roll. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Once the country was founded. Yes, Yes. once once the country was founded, like after the the slaves were freed or shortly before they were freed when they first started minstrel shows. So, you know, I don't want to overspeak you, but built the country. <laughs> I just I just need to make sure that's heard <laughs> and said. So they built the country. Uh-huh. Uh what, what's that you said? Black people <laughs> built the country? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, you, that, (laughs) that is factual in the sense of not talking culturally, that is factual in the sense of the way that this country has flourished and the financial grounding that we have and where we stand in the economy 100% comes from the fact that we ran slave labor for so many years and got ourselves way ahead because of it. So and that's exactly why they didn't want slavery to end because one hundred percent it was great for the economy. One hundred percent. So, but the so the point I think I was trying to make is that it it's not like AAVE. You know, even though it started being called out as Ebonics in nineteen seventy three, it it was here at the time of the founding of the country. It was a part of the country at the time. And it still is. And, and and everything about black culture is a part of the country. And okay, so you could say it's 13% of the population. So it's a smaller percentage. It doesn't matter. They're American. Mm-hmm. So we should understand that part of America. Absolutely. And we should be able to be bilingual with that part of America. I agree. But I also think some of it too is the negative stereotypes. So the things that are natural for black people are seen in those negative lights because of the negative stereotypes. So whereas people think I have an attitude when I'm talking just normally because my voice is a little bit deeper and most black women, our voices are deeper. There's Mm -hmm. a certain level of like natural tone differences. Yeah. Tone differences. And I was going to say a natural chipperness that white women have well, we also when, weren't oppressed to the same degree for yes, so long. Maybe. I think that might also have weighed in because oh, when you change, we learn, not only do we have stuff passed down genetically now that we're understanding and how our everything is shaped and grown within ourselves, but we also have the mannerisms yeah. in the way of, so that you have the taught. tone, but then the way the words are said, even with the tone, Mm-hmm. Those things are more so what we see and repeated. And our facial expressions. Uh, there were was a time in America where, you know, you couldn't smile at a white woman. It'd be taken as offensive. Or, I mean, especially for a black man right. to smile. You couldn't make eye contact. You weren't, it was taken as offensive. Right, that's basically what Emmett Till did. Yeah. What are you looking at, boy? Would be the response. So... That generation had to teach their children not to do that. Not to smile. And that's part of what happened with Emmett Till because he was from the North and it wasn't necessarily always like that. They weren't taught as much. It wasn't yeah. as, it wasn't, well, they didn't have yeah anywhere near the level of violence, racism, which was my point in the other episode. <laughs> I think we should touch on that after this. Okay. Because I, there is a you point more to I want to make. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they they had to teach their kids that. And in turn, their kids probably didn't teach their kids that intentionally, but their kids saw it. Right. Right, right, right. And and because if you grow up not looking a white man in the eye, you know, you, you have yeah, to look you, down. You don't even necessarily have to teach it. That's how it works. Yeah, it's the mannerisms. That's how it works. But if we if someone if you're having a conversation with someone nowadays and you don't look them in the eye, it's considered rude. Mm-hmm. But those are just sometimes automatic generational traits mm-hmm. that we've learned over time mm-hmm. to survive mm-hmm. as black people in America. Mm-hmm. And 
instead of white people, for the most part, recognizing that, we're just seen and as a whole as rude, mean, dangerous, all these negative things, mm-hmm. just based off of our personalities. And it's like, you know, there's a certain level of nature versus nurture, but there's also, when I say a certain level of nature versus nurture, like we can teach our kids to make eye contact, but if it's so ingrained in us, there's a certain level of that battle still going on. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. It's deeper than we let our have let ourselves previously be aware of. Yeah. And code switching is energy. The energy is just is the amount of energy that you have to put to it to for me, I know, um, because I have to change my voice. Yeah. Like most black people have a white voice. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I see the jokes about it all the time. A phone, it's and it and it's it's so true. When I answer the phone at work, I'm like, "Hi, what can I do for you?" Yeah, which is a totally different tone than how I actually talk. Oh, what was that movie? Somewhat recently came out. Oh, I can't think of it, but he is like working in a telemarketing thing. And he was oh, like, yeah. oh, you've got to use your white voice. And then they had a white actor <laughs> dub over. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was hilarious. Yeah. And that that's like real. Yeah. 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 That's, pulled from, that's pulled from real things. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I think oh, I'm curious your thoughts, because you've talked before how you don't really code switch with me that much. I don't recognize it if I do. So I, but I wonder too, though, is, is there a difference for code switching because you have to versus code switching because you're meeting the, and resonating and at the, the vibing with that person with where they're at. Does that kind of make sense? Like you may not get as intense as, as you would with me, but just not, be, but does that take energy or is it just because you're responding to me in a way that you know, I will respond back to because no, I do that too. That I do energy that. is like the changing my voice, the being mindful of my facial expressions, mm-hmm. um, being mindful of my how I'm carrying myself and my demeanor. So it's not the same as like when I'm at work, I have to pay attention to all those other things. Gotcha. So, so it really is more maybe of what I experience with other people where. I kind of meet them at their level. It, like if I'm, I, I'm a really happy, high energy person a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But if someone's more chill, I'm, I'm more chill with them. And that doesn't take a lot of energy for me. But I'm not changing my facial expressions, my my words I'm using, literally my language. You know, I'm not changing those things. I'm just changing my energy level a little bit. Is it kind yeah. of, so I was thinking maybe it's more similar of like that for you with me slightly not just not energy but just not a lot of effort needing to it's more of yeah it's definitely less less effort and i know i i can say things and speak the way that i would normally speak like uh yeah and then i feel comfortable asking you when i don't understand yeah. and that and i like that yeah 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 cuz I, I said somebody came at me or something like yes. that or, i no, was like you oh said, they put mad crab get, in that what would you say get get she's going to get or she Tried. She tried. Oh, she tried it. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, what, what does that mean? Tried what? <laughs> <laughs> she tried me. <laughs> That's what. I'm like, then why do you say me? Why don't you just say me instead of it? But no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like I don't have to necessarily be mindful about what I'm saying and and how you're gonna take my demeanor because I know you're not gonna just automatically assume I have a bad attitude because mm-hmm. you know who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but when people don't know who I am as a person, then it's a struggle. But mm-hmm. also, like it's hard too when, like. I'm at a store and somebody does something that pisses me off and I have to be mindful about how I react to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they're a white person, most of the time I'll just walk away because if I say something, especially if it's a white woman, she's going to be threatened and she's probably going to be afraid for her life. Yeah. Yeah. I think there would be a lot of white people that would say they do the same thing because Mm -hmm. they do. They're one person at home and another person when it comes to their short temperedness and their, their fuse and how they respond and, and all of that. Uh, so I think there would be a lot of white people that would say they do the same thing, but you do it for different reasons Mm -hmm. because there's a, it's not. And I don't do it just cause I'm out in public. Like, if it was a black person in that situation, which most of the time the situations that they happen in, a black person wouldn't do that because they would see it as rude. Wouldn't do what? What they did? What well, do you mean? Oh, what the what would what, get you fueled up? Would get me fueled up. So, I just think it's important to recognize, and the reason why we brought up code switching is because I didn't realize until we listen to that episode, that that's probably... I code switch on this podcast mm. to speak more properly and just be not be seen as ghetto, I guess. And do you think it's because you are appealing to a white audience as well as a black? I think it's that and because I, I view it as more professional. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I want it to be seen in a professional light. And if I'm being ghetto like it won't be right yeah. even by black people yeah interesting we we in our culture subscribe to that aspect of being ghetto like the conversation i had about cardi b was amongst other black people and i i guess i can kind of understand there is a level of like professionalism period you yeah know, that you should put have on in a, any aspect. a face or put a, and put on a certain act when they are in a professional environment, no matter who they are, there, there's, a, there's a difference. And there's things you don't say and things you don't do. You know, you can't totally just be yourself. Yeah. But it is different uh, when it comes to full code switching. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So I just thought that was interesting that you your passion came across so much more. And I'm like, maybe that's just because I'm so well practiced in not showing mm-hmm. my emotions mm-hmm. but that's also why black women come off as cold I mean you do surprise me and I've said it to you many times before like you're so level you're so laid back like you know when we have conversations that get kind of heated I feel bad a little bit sometimes because I'm getting kind of heated <laughs> but you just like take it and you're just not that you shouldn't take it because I would take it from you because I'm not being I'm not being abusive mm-hmm. or right so I don't want it's still people respectful to, right I don't want people to take it wrong <laughs> but you accept it like it's not 
bothersome to you, but I don't think it would be bothersome to me if you came back with the same level of intensity at all. I think I would enjoy it more. <laughs> we got to figure out what, what we would talk about that would get that. I'm sure it'll come up again. Something out of me because a lot of these things, I'm so used to talking about them that they don't get me fired mm, up anymore either. Part of it too, right? That You've said that before. It. You've been, yep. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I'm used to having those kinds of conversations. And the, when I get, I get fired up when I talk to people online and they say certain things, there are certain triggers that will get me fired up, but we haven't had any of those conversations. You don't trigger me mm-hmm. because you are respectful, mm-hmm. you know, like. And open. Like, I think it's the resistant, resistant, like, um, not even resistance, but like a, a sh- like a shut off. Because I, I do have some resistance sometimes in conversation. Yeah. But but there's... It's, it's not the resistance that bothers me. It's certain things like when I said something about how the Holocaust is taught in schools compared to slavery. Uh-huh. And a guy tried to call me anti-Semitic. Uh-huh. Yep. That triggered me. Because, first of all, I don't... I'm not against the schools teaching the Holocaust. That's what he was getting at. I'm saying that the amount of Holocaust that is taught should be about the same. Like we we learn about the Holocaust more in depth than we do about slavery. Yeah. Or just um probably um black oppression in America overall. Yeah. Yeah. And the Holocaust isn't our history, it's Germany's history. Right, and if we're going to learn anything from it, we should be focusing on how Germany moved beyond it because that's what we haven't done here in America. Exactly. We have not done the, exactly. the reckoning to the that they've done. So it's like when you're acting like you're so dense that you don't you can't get the point that I'm making because that was like it was it was like there was a level of denseness in what he said because it's like you you know what I'm trying to say and now you're just yeah firing insults at me because but, you want so that's me to come a level, out of character I, I would call that resistance but I would call that a very high level of resistance to the point where they have themselves so convinced mm-hmm. that it's not resistance but it's the resi- it's when the resistance is taking it and, and throwing it back at me and making me look like something that I'm not. Oh, that's the part yeah. that... Trying to make you own it. Yeah. Trying to make you own his resistance. Yeah. yeah. That's what triggered me. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. You would never. Like, I I don't think, anyway, you would never call me anti-Semitic, <laughs> let no, alone no, right. any other, like, <laughs> no, that's offensive not how I language. Relate. That's I, not how we communicate i I mean i would never with anyone just because it's it it, the moment you do any type of insult or aggressive terminology towards someone you have chosen to stop that conversation from progressing and that's the last thing i ever want to do there's times where i want to do that there are things i want to post sometimes comments i want to make i want to make sometimes but then that just stops the conversations and that to me is a higher priority is keeping them going. Yeah, I agree. So I just thought it was really interesting to recognize that I code switch and I wonder if now that I notice it, I can try to be more, a little less code switching because 
I mean, this is a podcast and I do view it as professional, but I also want people to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times when I, I'm not code switching, like that one episode when I, when I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like smacked my teeth or something mm-hmm, and said mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. crazy about, um, someone saying the N word. Like I would definitely... I don't feel like you code switch that much in that regard. I think you, for the most part, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like you show yourself here. You just, I mean, you code switch in the sense that you don't use a lot of Ebonics. Mm-hmm. So maybe in that sense, but I feel like you're a decent amount yourself. What more would you show on a podcast well, that's professional? I don't know. I would have to deep dive and really yeah. like see yeah do that i want to i want i'm curious i want to know yeah if there was more you feel that you're not showing that you should be well i i thought i've thought about it a lot since we started this too because i told you what my sister said about the first bit of feedback that i got about this podcast was that i sound white hmm. so oh yeah I don't know if that's still the case, but that would be me code switching. But, you know, do you have these kinds of conversations? Deep diving, digging in, analyzing type of conversations, and you speak differently in them? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, when I have conversations with my black friends, they get heated on both sides. Okay. Yeah. Even when it's about these topics, because what that's one of the things you have said quite a few times to me is that you don't get that heated on a lot of these topics around race, racist stuff or racial, the racial divide, because you have accepted that that is the reality we live in. It depends on the conversation, because I've had conversations about whether white people should be included in the conversation. Um, I've had conversations about whether black people are can be racist or not. Okay. And I'm almost always on the other side. Yeah, yeah. With my black friends. Yep. They don't all share the same ideas and sentiments that I have. All right, do you uh, have a quote for us today? Yes, I do. I always have a quote. <laughs> <laughs> While she pulls up this quote, just a reminder that we are on Instagram and Facebook at The United Podcast. Follow us there. DM us there. Give us your thoughts, feedback. Send us a voice memo. Whatever you want to do. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Check out our posts. Let us know what you think. We want to engage more. We love getting feedback from our audience and discussing those things more in depth. White privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It just means the color of your skin isn't one of the things that makes it harder. Jimmy Kimmel.